Point. Hope you are well. All right. Good talk. Good talk. It's good. <laughs> How are you guys doing today? Who here is a little cold? Okay, I'm the only pansy here. Perfect. Uh, it's good to see you this morning. If you are watching at home, welcome. Thanks so much for being with us. My name is James. I have the great joy and privilege of being the pastor at Christ Point Church. I want to share with you a couple of quick announcements before we jump into the text this morning. First and uh, foremost, uh, children, kindergarten through fifth grade, uh, you are dismissed. Yes! Someone's super excited not to hear me preach. <laughs> That's wonderful. Wes and Jody have a fantastic time with the children. A couple of quick announcements this morning. Uh, February the 7th is our next Discover Christ Point. If you are new to Christ Point or maybe you've been here a little while and you are interested in finding out more about the church, it is 9 a.m. Sunday, uh, February the 7th. Uh, please circle your calendars. You can register by sending an email at info at Christpoint.com. You can send me an email as well. would love for you uh, to join me. It's going to be online on Zoom, uh, the 7th at 9 a.m. Also, that same Sunday, the first Sunday of each month, we collect groceries uh, for Mission City Church. We have uh, the great joy and privilege of partnering with them and what they're doing in the Charlotte uh, community. We've been doing that for a number of months now, so I want to encourage you uh, head to the grocery store before you come here on Sunday morning. All of those grocery items will be donated to Mission City Church. They're distributed on distributed to the community on Thursdays each and every week. People pull through, they'll get a bag of groceries, they'll be prayed for, and they'll be pointed to Jesus. And so the stories that are taking place there uh, are really cool to hear. And so if you want to partner with Mission City Church and what they are doing and what God is doing there, uh, then encourage you to bring those uh, February the 7th on Sunday before the service or even during uh, the service, and they will be uh, delivered. Well, uh, at Christ Point, it is our desire, our passion to point people uh, to Jesus. That's why we exist. We do that in four primary ways. Uh, we encounter the life-transforming power of the Word of God. We believe that God has spoken to us through His Word. He still uses it to change hearts and lives. Uh, we believe that we point people to Jesus by experiencing authentic community. Uh, God has called us to live life together, not as lone rangers. Uh, we believe that we point people to Jesus by establishing a culture of joyful service. We believe that service is uh, not something that we have to do, but something that we get to do as the people of God. And then last but not least, we point people to Jesus by engaging all people, both people in our church body, our community, and around the world. Uh, the elders uh, sat here just a few weeks ago and said that we have four priorities as we approach 2021. Uh, the first is that we are prayerfully asking God to provide a permanent home for us as a church. Uh, we want to empower our leaders and our volunteers as we lead and serve. Uh, third, we want to uh, experience authentic community together. We believe that we can grow in that area as a church, and then finally we want to be a dependent people on prayer. And so over the last uh, couple weeks, we have been uh, talking together about prayer. Uh, we have been learning uh, at the feet of Jesus how uh, we are to pray. And a couple weeks ago, uh, we learned how to pray by learning first how not to pray. Uh, we said we don't pray for performance sake uh, to impress people around us, uh, and we don't pray while pontificating 
profusely, which simply means we don't have to use a lot of words in order for God uh, to hear from us. Instead, uh, we pray to the Father through the Son by the Spirit, and we pray that God's name, uh, His renown, His glory, His majesty would be seen around uh, the world. And so today we uh, continue uh, in the Lord's Prayer by turning in our Bibles uh, to Matthew chapter 6. And so if you have a copy of Scripture with you, uh, please turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. Uh, we are going to begin earth as it is in heaven. Uh, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us uh, from evil. So passage that we want to look at today or this idea uh, that we want to look at today is your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I want to ask and answer, hopefully, uh, three questions. The first is, what is the kingdom? What's the kingdom? The Bible talks about it a whole lot. We read about it really from the beginning of God's story. But what is it? Uh, secondly, how does God's kingdom come here to earth? How does that happen? And then third, I want us to think together about what does it mean for God's will to be done? I mean, doesn't God's will, or doesn't that always done? Does, doesn't God kind of will something and it just happens? Why do we have to pray about it? So uh, those three questions. What is the kingdom? What does it mean for God's kingdom to come? And then what is God's will? What does that mean when we pray, uh, your will be done? So the first question is, what is God's kingdom? Now, I don't know about you, but when I think about kingdom, I have a tendency to think about uh, like The Crown on Netflix, or I think of uh, Princess Diana, uh, or I think of 97% of all shows on PBS. Uh, I, I, I typically don't think in kingdom language or with a kingdom mindset. I've seen uh, pictures of Buckingham Palace, but I don't live in Buckingham Palace. I have uh, watched a royal wedding, but... Uh, none of us, I don't think, uh, have had a royal wedding, and uh, we live under a president. We don't follow a prince, even though uh, we may have enjoyed his music back in the 80s. So uh, this kingdom language, this idea of the kingdom, uh, might be unfamiliar to us. If I were to ask you, how would you define uh, the kingdom of God, something tells me that um, maybe you would struggle a little bit. Uh, and if you do, I just want you to know that you're not alone. Uh, people have actually uh, wrestled with and struggled to define the kingdom of God uh, for hundreds and hundreds of years. Uh, Augustine, I don't know if you're familiar with him, he's an old smart uh, dead guy, he wrote a famous book that was really thick uh, called The City of God, The City of uh, God. And he answers in his book uh, kind of questions about uh, God's kingdom. He, he wrestles with questions like, does politics matter? And... Um, uh, what about the church's uh, role in gospel witness in this world that uh, is not our forever home? And how should uh, the church respond to the fall of Rome? In other words, he asks and answers questions that you and I probably wrestle with today. right? As you watch politics play out before your very eyes, as you uh, wrestle through issues of but who to vote for or who not to vote for or how involved you should be in politics or how involved you shouldn't be in politics. You've probably wrestled uh, through these questions before. And um, people, uh, long before you and I came to town, have wrestled with these very same que questions. 
Uh, Augustine, in his study, said that the Bible in Scripture, you read about what he called two cities, uh, the city of God and the city of man. Uh, The city of God is a place defined by God's character and his authority. It is a place where God rules with justice and righteousness, mercy and holiness. The city of God, if you were to imagine it, is life as God intended uh, for it to be. But uh, there also is the city of man. And the city of man is life or marked by life in a fallen world, a world that is not as it should be. It is a place that is characterized by selfishness and ungodliness and conflict and strife. Uh, Both these cities, the city of God and the city of man, is marked by love, but one is marked by a love and affection for God, and the other is marked by a love and affection uh, for self. Uh, If you need any evidence uh, that there is such a thing as the city of man, a place where... um, or a place that is marked by selfishness or arrogance or pride or unrighteousness, look uh, no further uh, than this past week. Right? Monday uh, was Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Um, think for a moment, I'm sure you have, but think for a moment that we live in a world where it was necessary for a man uh, to give his life uh, because he thoroughly and rightfully believed that all people were created in the image of God and had value and worth. Because we lived in a world, in a society, where people should be judged by the content of their character and not the color of their skin. We live in such a world where racism and prejudice actually exists. And, and it has uh, since the beginning of time. That is evidence uh, that there is such a thing as the city of God. Think no further than yesterday. Yesterday uh, was the anniversary of Roe v. Wade, a landmark decision of the U.S. Supreme Court, which ruled that the Constitution of the United States protects a pregnant woman's liberty to choose to have an abortion without... Um, excessive government restriction. Uh, Since that time, since that ruling, there has been nearly uh, 60 million, 60 million children who have lost their lives. We we live in a world that is marked uh, by uh, the city of man. But, But, by God's grace and power that is experienced through uh, the Gospel, uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul, spoke of a citizenship that is experienced by you and I that is not of uh, this world, but a citizenship that is in heaven. Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 says, "...but our citizenship is in heaven." And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. This citizenship is given to us by God. It is not earned. It's not bestowed upon us by man. It is not experienced by or through policy. Uh, It is given to us by the Lord. He calls us sons 
and daughters through faith in Jesus, and we are, or we become, citizens of heaven. I love what author Al Mohler says in his book, The Prayer That Turned the World Upside Down, when he writes, Augustine's discussion of the two cities reminds us that the kingdom of God is not something that is part of the political systems of this world. No government on earth truly represents God's kingdom. Instead, Christians are citizens of a kingdom that will one day arrive in consummate glory. Our hope is not that the governments of this world will transform into the kingdom of God, but that the kingdom of God will come from heaven to earth in power and in glory. Now, when you listen to those words, when you read those words, if there is part of you that says, now wait just a minute, wait, if no government truly represents God's kingdom, are you saying that human government doesn't matter? Uh, Are are you saying that, that politics don't matter? Are you saying that it doesn't matter who we vote for or what policies we believe in or support or trumpet? And I just want you to know that I am not uh, saying that. But what I am saying is that we are first and foremost and always, as the children of God, kingdoms, uh, citizens of heaven more than we are uh, kingdoms or, or citizens of this earth. Right? Jesus came and said, my kingdom is not of this earth, which I take to mean, at least in part, that his kingdom is not of this world. Uh, This kingdom that Scripture speaks about arrived with the coming of Christ who urged His hearers uh, to repent because the kingdom of God is at hand. Uh, Christians now, in part, we experience this and we live this out as kingdom citizens. Uh, Paul said in Colossians 1.13, God has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His beloved Son. Right, So we experience God's kingdom in part uh, now, but we will experience it uh, more fully in uh, the future. As theologians, really smart people who study the Bible, uh, will say or will tell us the kingdom of God has been inaugurated, but it has not yet been consummated. Right? So we have experienced it in part, uh, but not fully. So again, the question that I said I would answer that I don't know if I have is what is the kingdom of God? What's the kingdom of God? Scripture talks about it all the time. So what is it? Here's a definition by one real smart guy, George Ladd. He says, The kingdom is God's people in God's place under God's rule and blessing. The kingdom of God is God's people in God's place under God's rule and blessing. So Jesus says the kingdom is at hand. It is near. And yet we wait for it to be consummated. Uh, Right now, while we wait, uh, we as the people of God are at war uh, with the world around us. There is a spiritual battle that takes place um, every second of every day. We don't see it, we don't always feel it, maybe we don't experience it or we don't want to, uh, but there is a, a, a battle, a war being waged now. And I, I don't know if you, like you hear that and you're like, whoa, like slow down, preacher man. Like we don't like we're just kind of I don't know about you, but sometimes I sort of just live life and I think to myself, I don't want to ruffle any feathers. I don't want to make waves. I just want to work hard and enjoy the weekend and take a couple vacations every year and 
want everyone to get along. But Scripture like, teaches us there's a, a battle. There's a war that's being uh, waged. And we, as, as God's children, uh, we are participants uh, in this battle. We have been given uh, words of life and told, go out to the world and, and tell people about the life-changing love and grace of God. Like, go make disciples. This is the charge that Jesus gave His disciples. It's the charge that He has uh, given to us. Go out uh, into uh, the world. And so we go out into the world and we experience on a daily basis a spiritual battle. Uh, We, uh, by God's grace, continue to move. As uh, one author said, we long for the day when we will no longer be the church militant, but the church triumphant. Right? This is our hope. Revelation chapter 11, verse 15, uh, describes uh, what is the day of consummation, what this day at the end of time will bring. Uh, Revelation 11:15 says, Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven, saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. I don't know about you, but like I long for that day to be fully realized. Every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord and we will bow down before King Jesus and worship Him. So, uh, how does the kingdom, how does the life with God, His, His rule and reign, uh, like how does God's kingdom come? Because we pray it, your kingdom come So how does it happen? How does it happen? Let me tell you two ways it doesn't happen and one way that it does. Um, It does not happen when we pursue what has oftentimes been referred to as the social gospel. This idea that we're going to change the world through social action. Social action uh, devoid of the gospel is not hope-giving because it doesn't ultimately address our great problem. It does not address uh, the human need for a Savior. It doesn't address uh, the brokenness and sinfulness of the human heart. Now, maybe you hear that and you think to yourself, wait a second, James, um, like, like social action, like moving into the community and pursuing good, like those are good things, right? Are you saying that we shouldn't be active in the community? Are you saying that we shouldn't work for change? Are you saying that we shouldn't stand up and speak out when we see biblical injustice? And I would say, um, uh, no. No, I'm, I'm not saying that. Those can be good things, um, God-glorifying things. However, I am suggesting that if we as a people uh, give people food and clothes and opportunity and we do not uh, give them the gospel, we are offering temporary help but not eternal hope. And as Christians, as believers, we are in the eternal hope business. right? We, we want uh, people to know and love God. And so when we talk about God's kingdom coming, it does not mean uh, that we pursue what is defined as the social gospel. It also uh, does not uh, come, God's kingdom, through political power or cultural influence. It does not come through political power or cultural influence. Why? Why doesn't it come through political power or cultural influence? Well, it does not come through power or influence because power or influence alone does not change the human heart. Does not change the human heart. Um, on Tuesday 
of this past week, if you found yourself saying to yourself or saying out loud, all hope is gone. Or you found yourself saying to yourself or out loud, finally, we have hope. May I suggest to you uh, that your hope is in the wrong place and in the wrong person. Maybe you think to yourself, James, wait a second. Are you suggesting that it doesn't matter who our president is? Are you suggesting that it doesn't matter who our political officials are? Are you saying that policies don't matter? Uh, No, no, no. Uh, What I am suggesting is that our hope is not in a politician or a political figure. Our hope is in the person of Jesus. Our hope is in the person of Jesus. Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. And so, if God's kingdom doesn't come through social change, if it doesn't come through political power, how uh, does it come? The Bible teaches that God's kingdom comes when God uh, changes the human heart, when he takes our heart of stone and turns it into a heart of flesh. Using those words, heart of stone, heart of flesh, is a spiritual way of describing uh, the work of God in breathing spiritual life into us. Right? So we go from not loving the things of God or loving God uh, to loving the things that God loves and loving God himself. Right? That happens when God radically changes us as a people. Remember the verse from Colossians 1.13, God has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us uh, to the kingdom of his beloved son. How does God's kingdom uh, come? God's kingdom comes through proclamation of the gospel through the announcement uh, that Jesus Christ crucified is now the resurrected King. Um, That is our hope in this life, and it's our hope uh, for all of eternity. We good so far? Wonderful. Uh, And so, as the people of God, we pray, your kingdom come and your will to to be done. So we talked about what is God's kingdom, talked a little bit about how God's kingdom comes. Now let's think together about God's will. Um, isn't God's will always done? I mean, he's God, right? He's the sovereign ruler of the universe. God's not in heaven, like, twiddling his thumbs, thinking, boy, I hope this works out. He he is the Lord. He rules and reigns. Well, uh, it's true, um, but when Scripture talks about the will of God, it uses it in in a couple different ways. Uh, On one hand, when Scripture talks about the will of God, it talks about God's sovereign uh, will. Uh, When Scripture speaks of God's will in this sense, it refers to His absolute uh, sovereign rule over all things. The only reason uh, that anything exists, including us, uh, in this world is because God willed it. Um, The smallest particles uh, of sand to political actions and world powers, uh, every event in the world is ordained and orchestrated by a sovereign God. The Apostle Paul spoke of God's will in the sense in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11, when he affirmed that God works all things according to the counsel of his will. Right, so everything that God has willed will come to pass. That's why the psalmist says my, uh, it, about God, My counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purposes. Our God is in the heavens, and he does as he pleases. So it's God's sovereign will. Uh, what he wants to take place and happen will happen. But the, the second way that Scripture talks about uh, God's will is what theologians refer to as his uh, revealed will. And, and God's revealed will is 
uh, the, the, when God speaks of expectations of humanity and desires for how we live and respond to a holy God. Think about things like the Ten Commandments. Uh, think about the call to repent and believe. Think about your sanctification, my sanctification. Uh, Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3, uh, this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. So there's these desires, this will that God has for our lives, a way that He wants us uh, to live. And I think when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, we're, we're asking that God's desired will for our lives, how we live as the people of God, that we would pursue and chase after Him. Right, so we pray, your, uh, your, uh, your will be done. We're praying that God would humbly um, cause us or help us to submit our will uh, to His will. Uh, we are praying by faith um, that, that we would take God at His word, that we would be obedient to His desires for our lives. Praying your will be done on earth as it is in heaven kind of reorients our sense of personal autonomy and, and aligns us with the God who made us. Right? So we pray um, not, God, here is what I want. And instead we pray, God, here I am. What do you want? Right? I, I want uh, your will. I want to be aligned with King Jesus. Um, this prayer, this prayer, God, your kingdom come your will be done is a dangerous prayer to pray. Uh, and it is dangerous because it has the power uh, to upset the apple cart, uh, to turn our world upside down, to change the things that we care about, what we invest in, what we pursue, or what we chase after as a people. I have to admit to you, um, I oftentimes uh, do not think in these terms. I, I oftentimes, in my own life, uh, seldom find myself praying things like this, God, Your kingdom come. Your will be done. It's so much easier for me, and I'm just being honest with you, to be self-focused, to, to care about the things that I naturally care about, to to want my world to work well. But, but this prayer is a, is a dangerous prayer because it confronts us with the reality that there are, are two kingdoms at work. But it challenges us. Right? It feels abrasive in our hearts when we pray this kind of prayer. Uh, yesterday, my oldest son, Cademan, had a soccer game uh, early in the morning in South Carolina. It was at 8 o'clock in the morning, which this is neither here nor there. I think that should be illegal. I don't think you should have to drive an hour to a soccer game that starts at 8 o'clock in the morning. But we did. We were up at 5 o'clock in the morning, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. And all the other parents and myself had three cups of coffee on the way to the soccer field. And we're out there cold, frigid, watching our little precious boys chase after this little ball. And so at halftime... Because we're all hyped up on coffee, because everyone got up at 5 o'clock in the morning, we had to make a pit stop. And so we see the bathrooms in the distance. And so all the parents and a good majority of the kids 
start walking to the bathrooms. And we're walking to the bathrooms and we finally get there. It seemed like it was forever away. And I look up and I see Cademan's soccer coach uh, walking out of the bathroom. He's kind of got his head down and I'm like here, I'm three feet away from him. And he starts walking by me and I grab him by the jacket and I said, I'm doing well, thank you for asking. And he looked at me and he goes, I'm so sorry, I didn't even see you there. And I said, no worry. I said, how are you doing? And he said, "Uh, James, man, people are dying. And I thought to myself, I thought the boys passed the ball well in the first half. Like we were up to nothing, good game. His, His words to me spoken in that moment felt abrasive and strange. I just wanted chit-chat. I wanted an elbow bump. I wanted, hey, it's good to see you. I'm cold. Are you cold? Yeah, yeah. And to go about my business. But when he, when he, when he said that, I thought to myself, that, that feels at least felt in that moment like uh, these two kingdoms coming into conflict. It served as a reminder, at least in my heart, in my soul, in that moment, uh, that there is something else going on in the world that is significant. And oftentimes I live my life blind to it. And so I, I thought to myself in that moment, I thought about this over the last 24 hours, God, I, I want to I pray um, this prayer more often than I do. Uh, Lord, your kingdom come. Your will be done. Your rule and your reign, may it be seen and experienced and lived out in the world in front of me. And um, the good news, the very good news, is, is one day that prayer and that longing that we have as a people of God again, will be uh, fully realized. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet and there were loud voices in heaven saying the kingdom of the world has become uh, the kingdom of our Lord and his Christ and he shall reign forever and ever. Amen. That will be a good day. Uh, Father God, we long for uh, that day. Oh, we long for that day as as your people. And until that day, Lord, we pray, we pray as the people of God uh, that your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do that, Lord, uh, for your renown, for your namesake. Lord, we love you and we pray these things in Jesus' name and by your Spirit. Amen. God bless you, church family. Uh, We will see you next week at 1030.